And Dr. Nathan Spencer, who's a GP in Corby with a special interest in mental health and also a member of the Corby Clinical Commissioning Group governing body. Hi, Ed. Now, since we launched the NHCP Pod Squad in November 2019, we've focused very much on topics concerning physical health. So we've been talking about flu vaccination, discharge from hospital, about the new rapid response service for older people who suffer force, and about the support that's available for winter illness. What we haven't yet touched on is the subject of mental health and well-being. Now, in years gone by, the importance of mental health to our overall health has perhaps gone a little bit overlooked, but fortunately that's now starting to change across society as mental health increasingly becomes a part of the national conversation. In today's episode of the NHCP Pod Squad, we're taking a look at some of the services that are on offer to support people's mental health across Northamptonshire, whether they're reaching a point of crisis in their mental health or they're in need of help to manage stress or anxiety. The Pod Squad. So I want to start by talking about the way we think about mental health. Um, Nathan, why why is mental health such an important part of our overall health? And how would you say the attitude uh, has changed over recent years? Well, it's it's a really, really integral part. Mental health, um, you just can't survive unless you are mentally healthy. Um, When I look at people in general, I look at whether they are motivated to be able to look after themselves, whether they whether they can they have the resilience um, to, to take on the day-to-day um, problems that, that face them. Um, the, there is there is a complete link between people's mental health and emotional well-being and, and their physical health, um, whether that be people who are looking at weight management, if you're feeling low, if you're feeling depressed, then it's really difficult to motivate yourself to get out to exercise. And it's, it's really difficult when you're, you're struggling and maybe your appetite's all over the place to, to look at what you're eating and eat in a healthy way. And that, that's the, the, the kind of icing, you know, icing on the cake. I mean, when you look at people who have severe mental illness, um, you often get people who really neglect their physical health. And, uh, and uh, we find that people, um, certainly with, with severe and enduring mental illness, um, often have much shorter life expectancies than people who don't suffer with those problems. Um, and historically, we, we've really struggled to get the society in general to realise that, that mental health is probably the most important thing that you can look after. Um, 
there's been a huge stigma around people with mental health and emotional well-being problems and even now I still see people who will come in to see me with problems and they won't want to talk to the families, they won't want to let work know because they feel that they're weak and they feel that they should be different and that it's entirely their problem. it, it, things are changing, but it's a slow process at the moment. Um, I, and I, I think that there is great that we've now got some really high-profile figures out there who are uh, who are declaring an interest in mental health and, and showing that there shouldn't be a stigma. Um, but I still think that we've got a job to do to get society and get Northamptonshire in particular, which is our place, to 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 not only tolerate but to actively support people and say we want to know if you've got a problem because there's something we can do about it. So Adam, can can you kind of talk <coughs> us through the impact of a health and care system that's poorly equipped to support mental health? Um, what what do you think a typical patient journey might look like in, in such circumstances for someone who's who's reaching the point of crisis? Yeah, I think that's, it kind of says it in itself, that the idea that we're already talking about someone who's reaching crisis suggests that there's a system that only gets to support people by the time they get to a crisis. And that's that's exactly the issue that service users and carers would tell us that they face every day. That actually, within their own mental health, they are the experts in, in their well-being. And, and it's not that they sometimes don't want to take an active role in it. It's just that the services that are there are for when people, or, or historically have been there for when people are, I guess what I would class as big ill. And, and all the services, A&E and, and frontline services around ambulance and police, who tend to end up, unfortunately, coming into contact with people who are in a very high crisis, tend to be there for people that are big ill. And, and, and more often than not, people start off little ill and, and can actually get some help or, or support um, if services were available. So I think what we've always done is we've based a, a, an NHS or a healthcare system around people's diagnosis or their level of acuity or their symptoms. We've less supported them around just talking to them in a very conversational way about what their need is um, and how we might be able to start working with them at a very low, you know, a much lower level and, and what impact that might have on reducing them to have uh, that, that bigger crisis in the longer term. Now, thank you. I think it's fair to say we're moving on from, from that kind of scenario as a society generally. And I know that there's lots of great work happening here in Northamptonshire towards making this sort of patient experience a, a thing of the past. Um, Nathan, can you tell us a bit about the work that goes on so um, inside acute hospitals um, to support patients with mental health problems who maybe come to A&E or they've been admitted to a ward for, for whatever reason? Yeah, well, I think, as Adam says, um, people who are (laughs) presenting to the acute hospitals, to Kettering General, to Northampton General, emergency departments, they really have hit crisis point and they've not had anywhere else to go. Um, And that's something that that we are very much in the process of changing and striving to to make better at the moment. 
what we've got is a situation where people do end up in the wrong place and, and emergency departments are wrong places for people with mental health problems for, for so many reasons. Um, they're, they're busy, bustling places, they're, you're sitting in a waiting room with very little privacy quite often and if you can put yourself in the position where you're maybe suffering with severe anxiety and all of this going on around you, it's just going to make things worse for you. Um, we have put into place um, the acute liaison mental health um, teams at both um, Kettering General and, uh, and Northampton General and their remit is to, to try to support people as quickly as possible and, and move people into a, into a space that is far more friendly and far, more, um, and, uh, uh, far better for their recovery, um, so to speak. So um, I think if, uh, if an individual does find themselves in a position of being in an emergency department with a mental health crisis, um, they should very much expect the, the mental health teams to try to support them back out to, into the community. And the, the, the main aim is to try and support people in their own homes in truth. We do get some people who are admitted towards, uh, whether that's with uh, an acute mental health crisis. We, we do have people who unfortunately get to the point of self-harming. Um, and uh, while they're on their journey of the, the physical problem being dealt with, the mental health teams will be actively involved with those individuals and supporting them and, and going through the, the, the right tools with that individual to ensure that they, they can actually escape from the hospital situation to, to the safest place possible. We equally have teams in the um, acute hospitals who are there for people with memory problems, for instance, so people who either have known dementia or people who um, have uncertain diagnosis to, to help support those individuals, try to make as good a diagnosis as possible and ensure that they can, can be discharged um, as, as safely as possible as well. Um, but. I think with the acute liaison teams, I'm probably stealing a bit of Adam's thunder because he probably knows a lot more about the, the ins and outs of what those teams do at the, at the acute hospitals and he, he knows intimately what the plans are to ensure that people really should, don't need to go to the acute hospitals and that's our plan for the future is to try to intervene far earlier, try to prevent the problem in the first place, but if people are hitting crisis, to try to get those people to a place where they can be in a far more friendly environment. I think Ed, we're in a, a really good position in Northampton. We've we've had incredibly good engagement with our service users and carers around what their needs are. They've told us very clearly clearly about what their needs are when they do fall into crisis or before they're in crisis. And actually, our commissioners locally have listened really carefully to that as well. And where there are where there are big organisational changes and putting an, an acute liaison team into A&E when we've talked about wanting to touch base with people much earlier would seem a bit of a, a strange thing to do that you, you put everything back into the front door where you've suggested it's probably not a great place for people with mental health crisis to be and actually our commissioners have listened to that and allowed us to I suppose work a bit more proactively with that but but yeah what you'll see when you go into A&E is, is a parity with physical health care uh, and mental health care you will see psychiatrists mental health nurses social workers psychologists are working within a team to overlay uh, the mental health knowledge that is required to make that patient's journey through an acute hospital that, um, as, as good as it can be um, that said, it 
is still not as Nathan said it is still not the right place to, to, to manage people whose sole issue is their, their mental health concern um, and we as a, as a community have been thinking much harder about how we make the accessibility of services um, much easier much early on much earlier on in, in, in a patient's journey um, but this isn't just about NHS organisations I think that's the other key thing about mental health management you know we talk a lot about statutory services and organisations and I think for a long time I've spent you know quite a bit of time walking around apologising for the NHS saying you know I'm really sorry because I think we always felt that we were the specialists and we were the only people that could support people with mental health problems and that's just not the case you know from just simple conversations and upskilling people who are, are interested in supporting individuals. You can do that at any level. You can talk about suicidality. You can talk about low-level mental health issues. Sometimes just being conversational, listening and validating someone's concerns is as impactful as anything that the NHS can offer. It's not just a systems approach, but it's a community approach to mental health management and support. This is about people supporting each other. Quite often we'll ask the question to people in passing, you know, are you okay? How are you? But do, do we ever really listen to the answer? And do we really push when we know people are struggling? Do we push for an answer? Do we push for a response? Do we, do we talk to them about their health and well-being from a mental health perspective? If we know they're low or if we know they're struggling, do we talk to them about their suicidality? Do we talk to them about their risks? I think quite often we, we don't, we don't, and we don't listen to the answers. And, and therefore, if we all held that responsibility a little bit more in the community, I think we could support people much earlier in their crisis. And clearly, you've, you've both made very clear that for those people who find themselves in mental health crisis, we, we want to avoid them reaching that point where they, where they find themselves in A&E and, and start having these conversations with them much earlier. Adam, can you, can you describe to me a bit about some of the work that's, that's happening out there in the community now that, um, that's kind of addressing that, that point? Yeah, so as we said, you know, if we, if we take acute liaison as the point where we wanted to move perhaps forward from, and you often hear about this idea of left shift, that you, you're moving away from the point of crisis and trying to get in much earlier. There's some, some simple things we've done um, and, and a few more challenging bits we've, we've put in place, but some of the simple stuff has been to make some links with some of our um, partner organisations at that crisis point. So we've got nurses in the police force control room and nurses that go out with officers uh, in the evenings on a police car to, to specifically manage people who, uh, and support people who end up in that crisis. And we're talking to the, the ambulance service about something similar. But on a, on a much lower level uh, and much earlier in people's passage of care, we really wanted to get to a point where service users could take a lot more control over their mental health and come much earlier and say, you know, I just don't feel great. I'm not in crisis, but I don't feel wonderful right now. And I think I just need to be able to talk this through. And for us, that's that, that whole idea of being conversational and just um, and talking to someone about their needs rather than their diagnosis and their, and their kind of clinical symptoms led us, led us down this route of, of the idea of crisis cafes, these mental health environments, which, um, very early on we acknowledged we're, we're best delivered not just by an NHS organisation because we come with all we overlay it with all our statutory provisions and our risk assessments and all our clinical bits and bobs that quite often get in the way of just those basic conversations. Um, the third sector are brilliant at this so organisations like Mind have been fantastic at partnering with us and they they support the cafe so they run our crisis cafes for us with direct links from, from Northamptonshire Healthcare Foundation Trust um, and they're, they're ex an exact example of somewhere where an individual can walk into an environment at any level of mental health need and get that listening and validation that allows them to feel 
a little bit more in the way of sense of hope and control and a bit more opportunity around their mental health. If they need ongoing support from secondary services, in sec- secondary services, then there is that direct link there. But in reality, what we found, so in 2019, we saw about five and a half thousand people go through those cafes. Um, and bearing in mind that they're predominantly in the evenings and at weekends, that's a, that's a huge number of people. Um, and and it, we found that um, the cafes worked really well at managing those crises at that level, there wasn't a huge amount of escalation into the system. So there, was, there wasn't this idea that if you opened up the front door that you would suddenly be inundated with people at high level crisis. What, what actually happens is you give people permission to come and talk much earlier on. And that's a much safer way of dealing with things. Similarly, we've got um, two crisis houses in the, in the county now. So they're accessed through NHFT workers and can be accessed through the crisis cafes. But again, they're much less about people's mental health crisis and much more about whatever the thing is that might affect their mental health at any given time. And that might be a social issue, it might be a drug and alcohol issue. Um, And when you flip it like that, you very much talk to all the things that have an impact on someone's day-to-day living that will, will, will possibly deteriorate their mental health issues. But you can talk about drug and alcohol issues, you can talk about social isolation. Carer strain is a real key feature of someone's mental health crisis. If their informal care networks start to struggle, then something like the crisis house is a brilliant place for someone to spend a few nights just for their family to get a bit of rest and, and, and time out. So um, they're both available in the county as well. I think it's fair to say it as well. The, the crisis cafes are real lifesavers. Um, about 70% of the people that I deal with um, in, in my general practice role um, are suffering with some sort of emotional well-being or mental health problem. Um, and I get reports almost on a daily basis of people who've been to the crisis cafes and tell me that they were planning to kill themselves and they went and found help. Um, and people who now maybe a few months later are actually talking about volunteering to help in the crisis cafes. They've got that real experience because they've been there, they're now experts. Um, and so, uh, so I would really encourage people that if you're feeling down, if you're feeling like you're reaching the end of the line, get on the website, find yourself one of the crisis cafes and just go there because they they can really help you. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like they're making a really huge difference, the crisis cafes, and I know that they're open in nearly all of the major towns across Northamptonshire now. And uh, uh, the Pod Squad's Manbury Tedgy has been along to the Mental Health Charity Mind to find out more about the service. Hello NHCP Pod Squad listeners, I'm here with Steph Orr, Resource Centre Team Leader at Kettering Mind. Hi Steph. Hi Mambri. So how do crisis cafes work and how can you access the service? So crisis cafes were set up in 2017 um, and it's a partnership between Mind and um, NHFT, Northampton Healthcare Foundation Trust. Um, and there was a, they sort of recognised that um, there was a need for a prevention service to prevent people from going into A&E and, and to relieve a lot of the stress on, on those sort of core services. Um, so they were set up, um, like I said, it's, it's that sort of partnership working, so it works really well. And they take place in, um, well, for example, in Kettering, in a cafe where we're sitting right now. Um, and 
they're a drop-in service for anybody who is struggling with their mental health, particularly people who are in crisis. Um, but who are we to judge who's what crisis they that they're having? You know, um, it could be anything from sort of financial or um, emotional or anything that's impacting their mental health. We don't use a sort of scale to determine what people's crises are. That's not that's not for us to to do so it's for anybody who's struggling particularly at the in the evenings and weekends um for them to drop in and have a chat with with a member of staff either from mind or from uh nhs um and we can we try and use sort of coping strategies distraction techniques and, and put sort of safety plans in place to reduce their crisis so they're left sort of feeling that there's sort of a sense of hope and 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 things like that so who are these crisis cafes for? So we support adults over over the age of 18. Um, so predominantly adults, and they're for anybody, whether they've accessed services before, whether they are completely new and have, are having a wobble or something's happened in their life. You know, we're all faced with adversity at some point in our life and we need a bit of extra support sometimes. You know, that's not uncommon. Um, so if there's somewhere that people can come just for a safe space to be that's what we provide so it's for absolutely anybody even people who've sort of been in services for a a long time but maybe have had quite a few hospital admissions but actually aren't wanting that aren't wanting to go back into hospital or whether they may need um, support with particular issues for example substance abuse we'd signpost them especially in the north of the county we've got very sort of particular organizations we've kind of built up quite a good bank of knowledge particularly through working in the crisis cafes it's really aided us to find out where we can signpost people to if needs be. What kinds of issues do crisis calves deal with? So we, it can it can range completely. Um, so predominantly, um, we do explore suicidal feelings with with people. Initially, that was sort of why they were set up, but. It could be anything from people might be struggling with sort of housing, which has led to them um, having a crisis. So we would probably sit down and talk it through them and try and put a plan together as to where the best place is to go. You know, signpost them to either accommodation concern or the council. But actually just talking through those sort of plans can really help someone. We deal with quite a lot of um, um, people who sort of self-harmed or I think thinking about self-harming um and that's why it's really good that we have our nhs colleagues with us because they can sort of escalate it as and when needs be Mm -hmm. so they can refer to the sort of acute liaison mental health team uh, a and e or ucat the urgent care and assessment team Um, but it's really good that we have our nhs colleagues with us the pod squad Welcome back to the NHCP Pod Squad, where I'm joined by Adam Smith from NHFT and by Corby GP, Dr. Nathan Spencer, to talk about mental health. Nathan, as a, as a general practitioner, you've a special professional interest, haven't you, in, in mental health? Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, I, it's a bit a bit of an odd one, really. I, you know, I said earlier on in the conversation, uh, we were talking about A and E, and actually my background. I used to actually be an A and E consultant, and so I, I, I've seen a lot of people in that true crisis zone. Um, and then about five or six years ago, I decided to change careers, um, and uh, it, it was a bit of a surprise for me coming from that kind of position of everything being really quick and really time constrained um, to actually having time to listen to people and one of the the main things that I started hearing um, in people whether they 
be presenting with a pure mental health, emotional well-being problem, or whether it be some sort of physical problem, people with COPD, diabetes, you name it, that that underlying impact on their emotional well-being and mental health was uh, was significant. And and it, it, the, what I found over time is that mental health, while it's not a great thing to have your mental health impacted, Actually, from a from a position of being a GP, it is really good because it's you know, mental health problems are something that we can really help with. Uh, and so, over time, I think I think it was more a kind of uh, a kind of natural process that a lot of people started coming to me, and so my time started to to be spent more and more with people with mental health and emotional well-being problems. Um, and being uh, working with the commissioning groups now, it's great because what I get to do is translate that what I say and see in my day-to-day work, bring it across and talk to people like Adam and the teams about what we can do to shape the healthcare provision and, and uh, not not just in the NHS services, but actually in the wider community to actually help people recover and help help people stabilise and become more resilient and just enjoy living their lives again so yeah i it, it, i think it's a it's a great thing I, the, the main thing that i like and like i say is the fact that people do recover people do become more resilient and actually being able to tell people who are really in that that point of despair that actually there is help we can get you better and seeing the look on people's faces is just amazing it's it's such a worthwhile area to work in so one of the keys, I think, to changing the way we think about mental health has been that recognition that a great many of us experience mental health problems in one form or another, and, and that talking about issues like stress, anxiety, and depression can uh, can help us to manage them. There's a service in Northamptonshire called Changing Minds that I know supports people to, to do exactly that. Um, can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so so Changing Minds is, um, you'll hear always hear lots of abbreviations in, in the NHS, um, but, but Changing Minds is um, what we call the IAC service or Improving Access to Psychological Therapies. Um, and uh, the Changing Minds is a talking therapy service. It's uh, about helping people effectively kind of rewire those those pathways in their brains, so that rather than rather than their brains focusing on on the problems and on the negative, it helps people focus on solutions and the positive. Um, and the, the the journey that I watch people going through um, with changing minds is is absolutely amazing. But, People can start off at a point of uh, of complete despair, and, uh, and within six to eight sessions, a significant number of people are coming out the other end of this process, saying, "Actually, you know what? I just feel okay," and that's what we need in life is to feel okay. Um, the the service is. Uh, for adults, so people generally over about the age of 17, um, and anyone can contact them. You don't need a referral from your GP. Uh, I'm sure that uh, we can share the the contact details, the telephone number and the website for Changing Minds um, from this podcast. but I would strongly encourage people to, to get in touch with them if they feel that things are starting to, to move into, into a bad zone in their lives. 
And you can access Changing Minds IAPT by calling 0300 1616. Uh, that's between 9am and 5pm Monday to Friday. Or you can complete the online form anytime at nhft.nhs.uk forward slash IAPT. And we'll be sharing links to all the services discussed in today's podcast, including uh, the crisis cafes that we, we discussed a little bit earlier on the PodSquad webpage. But I understand there's also some very new work going on to make finding mental health support in Northamptonshire a lot easier. Something that's in the pipeline, Adam, that maybe you can you can share with us now. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, we 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 want to play on the experiences that we've had through the cafes and the houses uh, in the last couple of years really and, and the excellent work that the third sector do in supporting um, just the wider community really uh, at that initial point of contact. And service users and carers are still saying to us that NHFT services and, and general statutory services just aren't as accessible as they need to be. Um, and we really need to listen to that. So um, in the next few months, uh, hopefully mid-March, but I'm not going to give a date because um, you know things change. Um, but we're, we're at a point where we're going to uh, look to open something called an integrated response hub. The uh, main focus of that being a, an 0300 number that will be open 24 hours a day and that will be staffed by a range of third sector workers and NHFT workers um, and, and the initial point of contact still revolving around that conversational approach to listening to people's needs um, but also offering them support at that point of contact rather than saying sorry you're not right for our services today or you're not quite ill enough or actually you need to go somewhere else. I think, you know, we, we, we do a great job of passing people around services and historically that's how it's been our service users tell us that. And the art of the integrated hub will be to try and meet that need at that initial point of contact, whether that's just being able to have a conversation with someone or put them through to a worker that can help them with some skills-based work around maybe some therapy they've already been doing and talk them through some of those skills or whether it's that we actually need to go out and see that individual or invite them into a cafe to have that face-to-face contact. So that will be the, the phone-based part of that, but alongside that we will have workers in both Borough Council offices at Kettering Borough Council and Northampton Borough Council, Monday to Friday, 9 to 5. Um, and that will be a physical place where people will be able to go and, and talk to someone face to face about their needs. So once you get to a point where you've got the phone number 24 hours a day and then from 9 o'clock in the morning till 5 you've got these, these spokes that, that you can go to and then you've got the crisis cafes in the evenings at the weekends. It feels like we're getting to a point where we're making mental health services much more accessible and I guess what well, we know a few things and we know that about 60% of the referrals that come into, into statutory services could have been dealt with at that third sector level or much earlier. Um, but we also know that there are a huge number, about 70% of people who unfortunately go on to end their lives, didn't have contact with services at all. And some of that has to be about the accessibility of services. So anything I put in place, I guess, I need to think about as would I as a 40 year old man go and go and access that and would it be easy for me to do that and would it be something I would go to and I think we're starting to get to a range of services where there are things where I feel I might use them and might access them Um, which for me uh, feels like we're getting to the right point in in supporting people. I think if if we look at where we've been in the past Ed um, so as a GP even about three years ago I was when I saw somebody with a mental health problem, I was talking to them about medication. Um, I know as a doctor that medication can help people feel better, but it's not the cure. Talking to people is is the cure for these problems. 
Um, there were changes that happened in the changing mind services a few years ago that started that journey of improvements. And this is the, the really the next evolution of the process. So we're, so we're really focusing on that early prevention, that early intervention, uh, and helping people to recover from problems sooner. And I, I, I think that it's a really exciting time, a really exciting time with regards to mental health in this county. Uh, and we're just going to improve from here. Yeah, and I think the other reason that I push the the kind of kind of some of the responsibility back into the wider community is that I, I we can build the, the, these uh, resources and we can we can get the, the communication out there. But I think unless as a community, as I said before, unless we're having those conversations with the people around us, unless we're having those really open discussions around mental health and around mental well-being and being really open and honest then the people that are isolated will remain isolated and they, they won't know about these resources. So I would encourage people to be really open with, with their loved ones, with their colleagues, with, with friends, just people in passing sometimes because quite often people are itching to say that they don't feel great, but they just aren't given permission to do that. Um, and, and just that listening ear and that ability to validate and then direct someone towards a cafe or the, or the number when it's available um, can make a huge difference in someone's life. The Pod Squad. So as we always do on the NHCP Pod Squad, we're going to wrap up today's episode by reflecting on how our discussion links back to Northamptonshire Health and Care Partnership's mission, which is to support people to choose well, stay well and live well. So Adam, can you can you start us off? Yeah, I think for me the the, the choose well, I suppose, is about giving people the options that we haven't had previously. Um, you know, we fully recognise in years gone by that, that services just weren't accessible. Um, and our service using carers have been really clear about the need to have a choice and about uh, to be able to access services really early. Um, so, you know, I, I would encourage people to look after their mental health and make contact, whether it's with their GP or whether it's with the Crisis Cafe or, or one of the other services we've talked about, as early as possible. Don't worry about... Um, whether you think you're perhaps not ill enough or you're not quite sure what the problem is, just come and have that conversation and we'll, we'll work it out with you. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I think it, this is about us making sure that people have the, the services available that they might need at, at the times that they need them. Um, so what, what we're looking at uh, across Northamptonshire Healthcare Partnership is, is a real collaboration now between all providers, whether it be the NHS providers, voluntary sector providers and the commissioners to ensure that we get things right so that if a problem happens and problems with mental health and emotional well-being can happen at any point in somebody's life, uh, we, we are just there for them and we can help guide them back that path where they need to be walking again um, and it, as I said earlier on it, this is a really exciting time we, we've, we're moving forward and, and finally have that recognition that, uh, that we need for people with mental health and emotional well-being problems. So that's about all we have time for on today's episode of the NHCP Pod Squad and it's been a really really fascinating discussion so thanks very much to our panel Adam Smith Thanks, Ed. And Dr. Nathan Spencer. Thanks, Ed. And we hope you'll join us again sometime soon. If you're not already a Pod Squad subscriber, you can make sure you get every episode as soon as it's published by following us on Spotify or SoundCloud or by hitting that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or any other podcast platform you care to mention. And don't forget to leave us a review if you like what you hear. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye.